Uh, my name is Zach, and normally you'd see me back there where John's sitting at, uh, at the soundboard uh, a few Sundays. Um, so I'll start us off with uh, some prayer. God, we, um, we just praise you for today. God, thanks that your mercies are new again today. And um, God, that you came and you died on the cross for us as we just think about Easter uh, this last weekend and how... Uh, God, you sent your son for us to reconcile us. God, help us to keep that in the forefront of our mind every week. Um, and God, that there's nothing, nothing that's going to bring us away from you. Uh, yeah, just even the songs we, we sang this morning, just always, God, you, always you will be with us. And uh, God, that you, your love is strong. There's nothing that can stop it. There's nothing that can... Um, Make it go away. God, we will always have it, and we praise you for that. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So a little bit about me. I've been a part of the Firehouse Church uh, since 2012. And uh, before that, I was up at our sister church in Fort Collins um, for about six years. Um, I can say I've been following Christ for almost 10 years, and uh, it's been quite an adventure, and that's part of what I'd like to share today. Um, we are starting a new multi-part series this week uh, called Faith Factor, and it's uh, really just about the gospel at work in our lives. Um, like I said this week, a few of us will be talking. Uh, we're going to start with Daryl. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to start, and then Daryl will follow, and then uh, John will uh, finish us up. Um, next week, you get to look forward to Tim Cavanaugh speaking. Um, which is always fun, and he has many, many stories always to share. So, um, now my adventure with God has been anything but boring. Uh, What I specifically want to talk about is how God affected my life in the area of work, and how God is a provider. Uh, One of my favorite set of verses about this is how God is a provider, about how God is a provider, is Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Uh, I'll read the whole thing. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he... Not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Um, These verses talk directly about how God will provide for you. He cares more about you than anything else on this planet. He cares more about you than anything else in the entire universe. All the stars you see way out in the middle of 
nowhere because you have to actually get outside of Denver to see most of them. Or Jupiter. Gretchen and I, my wife, sitting over here, uh, we actually looked up and we were able to see Jupiter last night. It's like, how many miles away is that? God cares more about you than the little speck that we call Jupiter. Last week during Easter, we celebrated how he provided a way for us to be reconciled to him. And this is in John 3.16. I'm sure many of you know it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Or we can put it another way. For God so loved the world that he provided his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but he have eternal life. Um, Gretchen and I have seen God provide for us in a myriad of ways. One of those ways is in our work. It hasn't always been easy for us, but it's been fun following God and seeing how he has provided for us. A few years ago, Gretchen and I worked at the same company, and we both quit at the same time. We did this with a message in mind from Faith Walkers a number of years ago uh, that we listened to and has stuck with me, and I still actually think about it today. Um, When we quit, we didn't have any other jobs lined up. The message from Faith Walkers, the speaker, um, Pat Sokol, told us about how God wants us to be with him. Um, God is on a mission to save about saving souls, and he wants us to follow him wherever he might take us. The analogy that uh, Pat gave that has been just seared into my mind uh, is the analogy of a building that is on fire. Think of a tall building. It's all on fire. And there are firemen at the bottom uh, with a net uh, ready to catch you when you jump. Um, God is like the firemen with the net at the bottom in this analogy. But Pat put it in this way that the building is not on fire and you can't see the bottom. But God is still asking you to jump and follow him um, and trusting that he will catch you to take a leap of faith. We decided to take that leap of faith um, out of a perfectly good building. Our jobs were stable. They were steady. We weren't in any danger of actually being fired or um, being let go. But we still decided to jump. Now, I don't recommend to anybody that they just go and quit their job tomorrow morning. Um, We believe that God walked into this journey of following and trusting him. We did, uh, we did, and he provided new jobs for us. It wasn't easy, and I often wanted to do it on my own strength. Um, but God asked us to trust him in this. We're still trusting and following him today. Just recently, he provided a new place for us to live. Um, we are pregnant and live in a 450-square-feet house. Uh, our new place will be more than double that square footage and for a similar price. We could have made it work with one bed, one bath house, but now he opened up the door for a two bed, one bath house that is about five blocks from here, from the church. Um, A lot of trusting God is asking God. Do you ask God to lead and direct you in the decisions and choices you have in a year? How about in a month, in a week? 
how about today? Just like Rob was talking about in, in um, trusting. And that we have the um, verse in Romans 8. That's actually one of my favorite verses um, about God working all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I have been called according to his purpose. You have been called according to his purpose. So even in the, the mundane things of life, you are still called according to his purpose. Um, I really do believe God wants us to trust him in everything. And sometimes God is not logical. He's not going to fit into the box you have made up in your mind or decided about trusting and providing for you. He is so much bigger, so much greater than that. Um, one verse that I can think of is uh, Malachi um, 3, 10 through 12. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God wants to bless us more than we think he can or more than we think is actually logical. I think about Moses in the book of Exodus when he held up his hands during the, uh, while they were fighting the Amicalites and they prevailed only when Moses uh, held up his hands. As soon as they, he let go of his hands, they, his, they would, Israelites would start to fall. But as soon as he raised up his hands again, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I could hold my hand up here for maybe even five minutes before it starts to get tired. And so they, uh, Aaron and, uh, it's blanking me right now, who else was with him, but they were with Moses. They moved a, whole, a rock for Moses to sit on and held up his hands for him. Um, think about David and Goliath. It was not logical for David to go fight Goliath with a sling and a few stones yet God still provided a way for David to um, defeat Goliath Um, in both these cases God provided Uh, there's a number of other stories in the Bible about God being able to provide Um, one of the best examples I can think of is God sending his son to die for our sins. It's not logical, at least to me, for God to send his only son. Like I said earlier, Gretchen and I are pregnant, and I couldn't think about even giving up my own child for somebody else. I'll leave you with uh, one question before Daryl comes up. Are you on the adventure of trusting God to, to provide for you? Are you trusting that he will provide for you today? Gretchen and I have seen him provide for us, and he will continue to provide for you as well. Sometimes it will not be logical, and you may not understand or know why God is doing something for a specific reason or a specific way. But that is part of the adventure with trusting and following God.
Morning. I'm Daryl. I'm not Greg either. Um, but it's cool to get to go after Zach because um, my story is kind of like his. Um, so I live down the street. Um, I'm married to Katie here, and my three kids are up front here. Um, I'm a logistics engineer. I do consulting work for airports. And um, so faith at work or faith in work or having faith at work when when we're working, um, something like that is our topic. Um, work's uh, a really big deal. Uh, it's a big part of our lives. And um, faith is a big deal. Faith is a bigger deal. Faith, our, our faith should impact our work. Uh, faith is not just something about Sunday mornings. It's not just sharing the gospel. Um, so my, my verse is actually the same as Zach's. Uh, Zach read you the whole passage from, from the end of Matthew 6 there. Um, we kind of summarize it in the verse of the second to last song we sang this, this morning. So that's all cool how it all goes together. Um, when I was in college, um, also in Fort Collins, um, I'm a little bit older than Zach, but I was there before him. Um, so this guy shared a verse with me one day. I wasn't really looking for him to share, but he just did anyways. Um, he said, he read that verse to me, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, and he he said, Daryl, um, don't don't worry about your work. Um, just focus on your commitment to the church, and and everything will come together. And um, that was. That's quite a thing to say, and and he was he was um, credible in saying that because he had um, he had come from Ames, Iowa, to Fort Collins to plant the church in Fort Collins, um, and he was a really successful engineer guy. He had a family, he owned a house, so for him to put God first and um, let everything fall into place, and then to see his his success, it, it really had an impact on me. Um, so I, I had um, had a chance for some some practice in college with that. Um, you know, there was some some summer programs that the church was doing for for college students. So I went to um, South Carolina one summer. I went to Estes Park for a couple summers. Um, we called them uh, leadership training programs. So um, I just did that. That's what the church was doing, and I just did it. Um, those I I worked in kitchens for two years, and I um, I threw bags of ice around in a freezer for a summer. Um, so that didn't do much to help out my resume, um, but that's what the church was doing, and that's it was a good way for God to work on me and for me just to be. Um, committed and unified with the church and to grow my faith. Um, it, through college, through most of college, um, I was 
trusting God to put together a, a team to plant a church overseas that I could be a part of. Um, and Katie was with me in that. Um, we were married in, in college. Um, so uh, things came together actually right right after I graduated for there to be a, a team to plant a church in Amsterdam. Um, <clears throat> so maybe... Maybe not everybody realizes how much church planning is a part of what we do. Um, you know, as I said, the, the guy that talked to me had planted a church from Ames to Fort Collins. The church in, in Fort Collins um, has planted a church in Loveland and Greeley and Salt Lake and Amsterdam and El Paso. And this church came from um, a group that was originally in Fort Collins as well. Um this church has sent people out to Manhattan, Kansas, to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and now to um, south side of the city here. Um, so I was just caught up in that. I, I wanted to be a part of that, and I specifically wanted to be a part of planting churches overseas. Um, so it was it was um, really exciting to to be a part of that. Um, and to see God at work, um, to for Him to assemble a, a team to go overseas, like I, I basically I had just been waiting on God for several years to do that. Um, so so it's all exciting and it's fun and it's this um, it's this world class city. That's I mean it's it's like being in a fairy tale living there, but you got to figure out how to how to be there. Um, you got to have a job. And so I had just graduated. I um, started applying for jobs in the Netherlands, or hopefully in Amsterdam. Um, I had I, I applied for all sorts of jobs, any anything um, that would get me just a way to be there. I had a hundred people tell me no, a uh, hundred different employers, and it was it was over a hundred. Um, and that's just the people that responded to me. Um, usually when you apply for a job, you just don't get it and nobody tells you anything, right? Um, so I had 100 people actually tell me no. Um, but I was, I was convinced of God's calling. Um, that the, after 100 no's, you might think, well, maybe you're not really called to go there, Daryl. Um, <clears throat> but I, I thought otherwise. I, it was pretty clear to me that God wanted me to go. Um, so I, I thought about other options. Um, I thought about graduate school. I really, I thought I was done with school. I really didn't think I wanted to do any more school, but it seemed like there'd be another way to get in the country. Um, uh, so I, I applied, I, I took the GRE in a big hurry and all that stuff. And, and, um, I was still pursuing work as well. But nothing, nothing happened. So I, I signed up for grad school. Um, so we, we we went to Amsterdam, and I was doing grad school. Um, so I'm doing grad school in Dutch. I'm doing it in another city. Um, I, we lived in Amsterdam, so we could be accessible for the church. But I had this huge commute to get to grad school. Um, and it was, it was hard. It, um, 
I mean, it's just just a big undertaking, and then in a foreign tongue in a foreign country, and and trying to help the church uh, in the process. Um, but I was hoping that I could get through that and find work. Um, I didn't really have any any sort of guarantee that that was going to work. I just I I was out in faith, trusting that God would make things happen. Um, you know, if if you grow up in the U.S. and you try to find work in the U.S., then you just have to have an employer say, yes, I want to hire you. But if you're a foreigner in this country or any other country, it's not that easy. Um, if somebody wants to hire you, well, that's nice, but there's still a whole government process to go through. And um, I, I, that's the boat I was in. I... I Theoretically, I would graduate with skills that people were interested in, and I was—I had become fluent in Dutch. But I, I, even if an employer wanted me, I still had no guarantee at all that I was that, that I could get through the government process. Um, so, in the meantime, um, I'm working on my thesis, and our our oldest was born. Um, and the thesis has taken longer than I was planning on, and the money was running out. So I was I was all the way out there. I'm I just all I had was to hang on on a, on a thread of faith that that God was going to make this work, um, and and He did. Um, God came through for me and my family. Um, So um, I went, when I graduated, I was pursuing work. I had um, the first job that I, th- I thought I really wanted. Um, and the company, I interviewed with them, and they, they said, they decided, well, there we'd like you, we'd like to have you, but we have this Dutch guy that can do the job, and we'll take him and avoid the paperwork. Um, and... So that was a letdown, but the second job that I pursued, um, I got it, and they were willing to do the paperwork, and I was in. That was it. Uh, so I went from over 100 no's to the, the second job that I pursued, came through um, be- between before and after grad school, and not just really school, but stepping out in faith and trusting God and being just completely out on a limb with with no other option really but to trust God. Um, so that was an amazing thing how how um, God came through for me, um, just because I was I was seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness and and all these things were added to me. Um, all the things are you know Zach was reading about how. Um, God cares for the for the flowers and the birds, and and He cares a lot more for us, so we don't need to worry. Um, so God God provided for me. Um, so it sounds like this really cool thing, and and well, gee, um, things must have really come together after that. Um, they they didn't really actually, which was where the story gets kind of crazy um, to think of where where God is leading me. You know, Zach's talking about um, sometimes God calls us to things that aren't aren't logical. 
and that's that's where I ended up. That's I mean, that's where I had been. I mean, why I under I had already undertaken something that was pretty illogical, um, but it got even kind of an, another level. Um, we 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 were. We were pretty prosperous there. You know, Zach's giving me all the numbers on his house and stuff. I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but I was living with my wife and my daughter in a little place. We had one bedroom with a baby. So we just put the baby in the bedroom. But then we got to where we could buy a house. Um, It was a little bit bigger. So we had our two daughters and Ned, all of us in about, I think that number is about 1,000 square feet. So we were kind of up and running. Um, and God called us to come to Denver. Um, that was completely crazy to me. I, I didn't, I didn't want to come back to the United States. I thought I had left the United States for the rest of my life. I mean, I come back to visit and whatever, but I thought God had called me to plant churches overseas for the rest of my life. And, um, so it was hard to make sense of it all, and but that was what what I was what I needed to do, and um, so I, I yielded to God there, and um, so it's okay to yield to His calling, but then how do I make it all work? I, I, if I'm going to come to Denver and be a part of the church here, um, well, I need work again. Um, and so I, I tried to pursue work from overseas, but Americans, they they just can't really engage with this idea of a, I mean, I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm not really a foreigner, but I'm still overseas, and they couldn't, they just couldn't engage with this idea of somebody applying for jobs from overseas. Um, so I just had to quit my job and get all our stuff packed up, and that's a big, long process to move overseas, and and. I had to come here without any any prospect of a job. Um, this was all happening in 2008, the end of 2008 as well. So we were kind of uh, in process of moving, and I was all under, underway before things got really crazy. But by the time, basically by the time we landed, shortly thereafter, well, the economy is in free fall. Um, so we there was there was nothing there you know there weren't there were no jobs to apply for you know you go on the internet and there's different ways to pursue jobs there there wasn't anything to apply for things were so serious um so that that was the environment we were in but i i had i had obeyed god to come back and we had we just said okay so we're we're going to be a part of the firehouse in denver so we we bought a house as close as we could to the church, and we just we were all in. Um, we didn't again. We didn't really have any. We didn't have like a, a plan B. We didn't have a way out. We didn't. We we're just um, just having faith and uh, and obeying God. And um, so so here I am. I I've got this house, and and the the months are ticking by. We've got. My wife and my my two daughters and I. It, that was that was a long, hard wait. Um, we landed in August and it was all the way till 
December. In December, I, I found work again. Um, God, God came through for us uh, another time. And um, it, was, it was just a, a crazy thing how he, how he pieced all that together and what, what we had to go through. You know, that's, that's, two, that's for me, two big things where I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of all the way out there and I don't, I don't really have any other options. Um, but I, I'm pursuing God. I'm seeking his kingdom first. And, um, and he comes through for us. Um, so that's um, just a slice of my life. Um, just a reminder for us all that our our, um, our faith calls us to big things. Uh, and I, I think um, for all of us, we need to, um, our whole life needs to revolve around our commitment to the church. And, and that's a, that's a spiritual thing for our um, for our faith to impact our work and, and all the all the parts of our life, um, and that's I think that's what what God calls us to. Um, so next up is John. What a pleasure to hear the guys speak. And man, I'm just blessed by their faith. And Daryl, you've lived a life of faith, and it's just a blessing to hear. And I wrote this down, the logistical engineer living the illogical life for God. That's awesome. We should give Daryl another round of applause. You know, in a lot of ways, we are living the dream. And it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it when you're out of work, and boy, I tell you, I've been there many, many times. Or, or when you're struggling with just applying faith to your life. And when I think about my life, it's just a tiny bit different. Faith begins where we end. Faith begins where we end. And one of the lessons for me, it's just a, it was so hard for me to learn, but was um, that my life was a disaster of lostness. It was just an absolute disaster of lostness, and it's just almost painful for me to think about where I was when I discovered Christ, but it was, you know, I was not on the path to being successful as an engineer or successful in anything. I couldn't maintain any relationships. I couldn't, I could just barely keep a job, and even after I was involved with the church for years and years, I went through job after job after job. I worked for great companies. I could get good jobs. Information handling services, I don't know if any of you guys know that place. I worked for it when it was a privately held company, public company down, in the tech, down south of the tech center. I worked for those guys for about four years, and I just couldn't keep it going because the brokenness in my life would bleed through into my work relationships. And, uh, you know, I was married to Gretchen. We've been married for 28 years. And I, this gal deserves a round of applause, too, please. <laughs> Because the brokenness in my life would bleed into my family life. We've got six kids. Uh, you know, Logan, Andrew, Mary Joy is here. Anna is here. My son uh, Laurel is here. I think, I think Laurel may be in nursery. I'm not sure. My son Johnny up in Fort Collins. You know, these guys, have, uh, these guys are, are awesome. They're just wonderful. They honor me so much more than then uh, they've brought so much more into my life sometimes than I think I've been able to bring into their lives. But, you know, God, 
God is so good and he is so delighted with what Christ did on that cross. And I, I want to kind of try to wrap up here really quickly because you guys have been here for a long time. But if you feel like in your life there's a lot of brokenness, the good news is Christ died for that brokenness. And God is elated with what Christ did. He's so supremely satisfied with what Christ did. If you express faith in him, Jesus, your God, and you died on that cross for my sins, God is immediately in your camp. And that's what I've experienced even in the brokenness. God was always faithful to help me. I went from information handling services. I did work for a long time for U.S. West, but every day I would live with anxiety and frustration and just struggling to connect with people. After that, uh, you know, I, I, I quit information handling services because I just couldn't connect with people there, and, and my relationships got bitter and hard. So I went to U.S. West, worked there for 13 and a half years. I was determined just to keep working there until I got laid off there, worked for a small company for a year, Acme Manufacturing. Oh, man, that was terrible. I couldn't get along with people there. I left there, worked for Children's Hospital for three years. Did some really neat stuff there. They were building the Children's Hospital in Aurora. I helped them manage the budget for that and really helped them save some money on that project. But after the end of the project, again, relationally, I just couldn't hang in there with people. Left that company just before they were going to fire me, I think. Went back to Acme Manufacturing, this company I'd left because I couldn't get along with people there. Oh, wonderful. Back where I was before, worked for those guys three years until they fired me. Oh, my goodness. And then I started working temp jobs. Worked temp jobs for a couple of years. And, and uh, you know, really, during that time, there was something that kind of did change a little bit. And, and uh, I really started looking at... Uh, my relationship with Jesus Christ a lot more. And I remember coming up with something that I called my one-minute gospel presentation. And in my mind, that's when I got saved. When I was able to express the message of Jesus Christ, when I was able to do that, that was kind of a turning point in my life. And so uh, that's that was really a, a turning point for me. Faith begins where we end. When I really got when I really internalized in a deeper way the message of Jesus Christ, that was the turning point for me. And, uh, and when I accepted my own lostness, in Ephesians 2 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the desires of the sinful nature and following its desires and wills. The worst to that effect. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, to do. God's always willing and ambitious to transform our lives from being in that state of brokenness, to in that state of doing works for him. I'm so appreciative of the two examples of those men. They are men who believe in doing good works for God. I wanted to read one little passage. I'm going to wrap up with this. There's a lot more I'd like to say. But I'm so touched by Christ, by his presence on this planet. And we, uh, I'm reading through the Old Testament, and it's just a testament to the lostness of humanity. And, I'm just, and it just points me back. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. 
Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressing around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to a bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Faith begins where we end. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered. And yet you can say, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After Jesus put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. And I feel like in my life, I was that little child. And from the time I was just a little, little person, God's number one ambition for me, his number one goal was that I would be saved. He just wanted me to be saved. And I'm saved. I'm so excited about that. And now his number one goal, like Rob shared, is that he could transform my life into the likeness of Christ. And that's his number one goal for all of you, that you'd be saved and that you'd become like Christ. So let's pray. And I want to thank you for your patience because I know we've gone a tiny bit long probably. God, we worship you. We worship you. Thank you so much for sending Christ to die for our sins. Thanks for the new life you have for us, God. And uh, thank you for each person that you're drawing after yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.